Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, you <laughs> Welcome to Kitty's Birth Tales. My brother's name is Ozzy and I'm Die Boy. Thank you for missing from Molly's podcast. Kia ora and welcome back to another episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I am your host Jordan. I'm a mum of two. I have Jai who's four and Ali who is two. I also have a business baby which is your birth project. Your birth project is the online hypnobirthing course you need in your life. If you're pregnant or you know someone who is, it is going to help you create your best birth. Do not be turned off by the word hypnobirthing. You'll hear Asha, the lovely mum I speak to this week, who is actually your birth project mum, talk about her experience with the course and all of the other things that she did to help herself in pregnancy. But if you're pregnant, make sure you go and check out your birth project. You need it in your life. (laughs) As I have alluded to this week, I'm speaking with Asha. She's got a lovely story to share with us and I know you're going to enjoy listening. So instead of listening to me ramble on, let's jump into the episode with Asha. Enjoy. Hi, Asha. Thanks so much for joining me on the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast today. Hi Jordan, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It might be um, like a little bit of a a therapy session. (laughs) Amazing, I love it. I can't wait to hear all about it. So before we jump into it, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Yeah, of course. So my name is Asha and I live in Hawke's Bay. I am a life coach for teenage girls and young women in their 20s. And I work in that space locally in Hawke's Bay and online. In my family is my husband, Matt, our firstborn, Charles, who is a dog. He is a little cavoodle. And then we also have a cat that Matt would kill me if I didn't mention. But he is one of those little money cats that you see in the Chinese shops. <laughs> so yeah he's one of those um yeah money cats so he's not a real cat but Matt says that he's very much a part of our family and we always joke that he's the hardest working member of our family so it would be rude to leave him out and now we have our little girl Alaska Mason as well yeah amazing very cool and we're going to talk through like everything motherhood today birth pregnancy, postpartum, everything. So why don't we start with what the journey was like to pregnancy for you and Matt? Yeah, definitely. So early on in Matt and I's relationship, we knew that we wanted a family and we wanted kids, um, but we made the choice to get married first. So we both knew that as soon as we got married, we wanted to start trying after that. Um, Yeah. I was on contraception from a really young age, like a lot of young girls are, I think. Mm. So from about 15, I would say. And then when I met Matt, so I met Matt when I was 21, a few months into that, I knew pretty quickly that Matt was the one. Um, And not that we were ready to have kids at that point in our relationship, but I was very conscious that you know that was what we wanted down the track um so I decided to come off birth control and just start tracking my cycle on an app um and using condoms as contraception so I'd say when did I do that I'd say I was off the birth control pill for probably a good at least 18 months to two years before we started trying, which I think was super helpful just to really get in touch with my cycle. And I knew for sure when I was ovulating and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And so did you go like, okay, this is the month that we're going to start trying from and yeah, talk us through how it all happened. Yeah. So we got married um, on December 3rd, 2022. Two, and then from there we just stopped using contraception and we both um, knew that we were trying for a baby and yeah. then we left on our hunt for our honeymoon around the 10th of December I'd say 
um, and our honeymoon started in the Maldives. So that was super, super <laughs> beautiful. And I knew that I was ovulating during that time. So we were, you know, trying during that time. And then our honeymoon moved on to Thailand and I had a pregnancy test ready that um, was one of those tests that says on the box that you can test five days before your missed period. Mm-hmm. So the day that um, my app told me that I was five days before my missed period, I knew that I could test that day. So we were in Koh Samui in Thailand and I I convinced myself I was pregnant. So I convinced myself that, you know, my cycles have always been regular. Um, you know, I'm really quite healthy. I'm feeling really good. You know, I felt like it had happened for us. So the day that my app told me was five days before my period was due, I was planning to test that day. So we had like a romantic dinner booked and yeah, I was planning Mm -hmm. to test and tell Matt the dinner and I kind of had it all planned and I was just so convinced that I was pregnant. Um, (laughs) And then uh, we were having a few drinks before the dinner and I went to the bathroom there to do the test and it was negative. So that really... Like, I know that it sounds quite silly to assume that we would have um, been able to mm. be pregnant first go, but like I say, after being so aware of my cycle and aware of my health, yeah. I really did believe that, but it was negative. Um, so obviously I told Matt picked up pretty quickly that I was quite upset and didn't know why. Um, so obviously I told him that I was hoping that we would be pregnant, but it was negative. So there was, yeah, I was, I was really upset. Like I think it wasn't until that moment that I knew how badly I wanted a baby. Mm-hmm. And I think In hindsight, it was actually a blessing that we didn't get pregnant first go because it really, really ingrained in Matt and I how badly we wanted it. Yeah, yeah. So it actually kind of uh, made the want for a baby even greater, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we kind of convinced ourselves, we were, you know, researching and it said, oh, sometimes your levels aren't high enough to know five days prior. So for the next kind of five days until my period came, we kept testing and we kept being like, oh, maybe I still am, maybe I still am, which was a little bit of a head game, I think. Yeah, it so is. I reckon those like early detection tests can just really mess with your head because you're like, oh, I should be showing now. But then if you're like even a couple of days out from a normal cycle, it wouldn't be showing. It's yeah, it's really hard. Definitely. So, you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and control freak I really really like (laughs) to know what's going on but I would actually recommend if anybody has the patience which I definitely didn't um (laughs) to kind of just wait and see whether your period has come and then if it is like you know then test but hey I didn't have that patience so to anyone that doesn't either I fully get it (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, yeah yeah so yeah then and then there's all of the information about um, uh, how you can bleed, but it can but still mean that you're pregnant. Do you know what that's called? Uh, like implantation bleeding? Yeah. So then even when my period did start, I was still trying to convince myself, oh, I still mm. could be pregnant. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it took me a really long time to kind of wrap my head around the fact that we weren't. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was an interesting experience. But, you know, we obviously kept going. And then our honeymoon was just over a month long. So we were lucky enough that I had another ovulation cycle at the end of our honeymoon in Singapore. So obviously we were kind of aware of that again. We were trying again. um, And then, you know, we came home during the time we were home, I actually trained to be, become a life coach, which that's my business, but that's another story. So I was away in Auckland for a bit for the training for that. 
this time I kind of told myself I wasn't pregnant. I think I just didn't want the devastation of Mm. thinking I was and not being pregnant again. Yeah. So this was when I started kind of thinking in my head, like, okay, if it doesn't happen this time, you know, I think before you try to become pregnant, you never ever know how your journey is going to look. And then all of a sudden, mm. when you have the month of it not happening, you kind of realize, okay, maybe this might not be easy for us. You know, you just don't know. Mm. But anyway, so I tested, I think that time, the day, maybe, I think I still tested maybe two days before my period was due, say, but it was a strong negative again. And I kind of accepted that we did that test together. Um, We were quite upset, but we were like, okay, that's okay. You know, we'll try another month to see how we go. But then that time it was kind of a few days later, my period was late And I was like, oh, like maybe I'll test again. So I was just home by myself one day. Matt was at work and I tested again. And it was like the strongest line you've ever seen that it was Mm -hmm. positive. And I just couldn't believe it. Like I think that feeling um, when you get that positive result, again, just really shows you how badly you want this baby. Like it's just such a crazy Mm. feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. And so what did you do? How did you tell Matt? Yeah, so I was, uh, that night I actually had a dinner with my girlfriends planned and I really, I I knew I couldn't go to the dinner without telling Matt, like I was dying (laughs) telling him all day. So I rung him and actually pretended that I had some work stuff I wanted him to help me with before I went to the dinner. So I said, oh, do you think you just come home from work a bit early so I can see you before I go to dinner? So he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come home early. So then he got home and on the kitchen bench, I just had my laptop open. And as you come into our kitchen, he can only see the back of the laptop, I guess. So then I said, oh, can you come over here and like, you know, have a look at this work stuff for me. And then he came around to the side of the laptop and it was just open with like this big note saying you're going to be the best dad with like three pregnancies mm-hmm. there. <laughs> um, and obviously he just met a big softy. So he just started bawling his mm-hmm. eyes out. <laughs> he was so, <laughs> so excited. And I think because we thought we weren't again, it almost made it even more unbelievable that we were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That was a really special moment. Um but one thing we didn't discuss before the positive result was if we were going to tell people straight away. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I've got this dinner with my girlfriends tonight. I'm going to tell them. And Matt was like, well, no, no, you can't, you can't tell them yet. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, we haven't even like, he's like, I've got to digest this news. So anyway, I had to go over this dinner um and not say anything and at the dinner they knew we were trying so I just had to keep talking as if we were still trying um so that was quite yeah. funny but yeah I think it's like the hardest secret to keep when you're especially when you're like with your girlfriends or you know you're doing something fun and you just want to share the news and it's such a hard secret to keep yeah definitely no I couldn't believe Matt is Matt my husband he's like a very open person very um I'd say, you know, love sharing things with people. So I was really shocked when it was him that wanted to wait a little bit until we told people, like I was ready to tell people from the get-go. But um, I think we started telling a few people around that kind of six-week mark, I'd say. So we didn't wait too long. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, awesome. Very cool. And how were you feeling, like, throughout your first trimester? And, yeah, talk us through any pregnancy symptoms that you had initially? Yeah, so um, initially I definitely did get a lot of nausea. I didn't get the vomiting as such. I just always felt like I was going to vomit. Um, But the biggest kind of shock for me was, so I am really into my health and fitness. I really enjoy health and fitness. I was one of those people that went into pregnancy thinking that I would be 
even more of a healthy version of myself because it's for my baby and I would see people online and things saying in that first trimester you know if all you can get down is white bread that's okay and I saw that and was like that won't be me um but it definitely was a struggle to work out what to eat in that first trimester which I think Mm. a lot of people experience um but yeah the main thing that kind of got me through it was I was really it was really important to me to keep up my exercise routine and I guess in this podcast like just some advice I'd love to give to mums that are currently pregnant or mums that are trying to be pregnant is um, kind of the importance of your pelvic floor work and the importance of keeping up what you can during your pregnancy and how much it's helped me throughout but yeah just going back to I'm in the first trimester and yeah just keeping up with that movement really helped me um, uh, battle that nausea as well. Like I found the days that I got up, especially got outside, went for a walk, um, just did my same thing in the morning. It really, really helped the nausea. And then it kind of got worse as the day went on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that first trimester nausea is just like so yuck. <laughs> in regards to, I guess, the exercise in the first trimester, and you know, just trying to do what you can. I guess the good thing about the first trimester is, you know, general advice, and this is just my take on it, but general advice that I was given from professionals and from what I learned is in that first trimester you're pretty much okay to continue to do whatever you were doing prior so I guess it made it kind of easy to navigate um, what to do I didn't so much have that thought it was more just like let's just get out and do something yeah 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 cool awesome and did you go with a midwife for your care or what did you decide to do there yeah we went with a midwife and yeah had a great experience with them yeah yeah awesome very cool and what about testing in pregnancy did you do like all of the standard testing that's offered to you and did you want to know the sex of your baby yes so we did want to know the sex of our baby so we did do that initial test that you can get is it at 12 weeks or 10 weeks oh the nip yeah yeah the yeah. one that in New Zealand does cost quite a bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, we did choose to get that one because we did want to know the sex, but also two, you know, I think we wanted to know as much about our baby as possible, as early as possible, just so we could know if any extra care would be required in the pregnancy. So we did get that test. Um And then other than that, I got all of the standard tests throughout pregnancy, apart from I did not get the glucose test. The, yeah, yeah, um, is it, what's it called? The diabetes test. Oh, the one for gestational diabetes. Yeah, Yeah, the one where you drink the sugary drink beforehand. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, so I, chose, I chose not to get that test, and I think it can be quite a strong misconception that you have to get everything that's offered to you, and you know that's mm. not the case. So I recommend to obviously just do your own research and talk to your care provider, and obviously look at your health and how you feel. But I chose not to get that. Yeah, yeah, awesome, cool. And take us through your sort of second trimester. How were you feeling? Were you doing anything like birth education? Did you do any antenatal classes or anything like that? Yeah, so second trimester for me, I can say was amazing, but I don't know if it was just in comparison to the first. I don't know (laughs) if women in the second trimester, it's maybe just how they felt prior to being pregnant, but because you feel quite awful in the first trimester, you might just forget how good you felt prior. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, the second trimester was really, really good energy wise. And, um, you know, I think it starts to get really exciting in that second trimester. You start to see the bump and it starts to all feel a bit more real. Um, But yeah, we, I did your birth project. So I probably started that around 20 weeks, I would say. so just because we're kind of jumping into that your birth project you know the birth kind of space I'll just jump there a little bit I think 
in regards to my thoughts around birth in the beginning I was almost quite avoidant of it in terms of I'm a very um I like to be a very positive person I really believe in the power of positive thinking and I almost thought that having a positive mindset would be enough to get me through my labor Mm. so I kind of thought that that was going to be enough and I think in the beginning I almost wanted to ignore anything more than that because I think I found it quite overwhelming yeah but then I kind of found your birth project and I started to get interested in it and I thought no like you know knowledge is power at the end of the day and the more I can know the better so I did do your course and I found it super beneficial more in the way that it got me interested in the birth I think when I first got pregnant and prior to getting pregnant I thought that the birth was such a small part of it like I believed okay like the pregnancy is you know 40 or so weeks and then you've obviously got your baby forever the birth is such a minor part in the equation and that was kind of my view towards it Mm. but that honestly could not be further from the truth so if you're like in early stages of pregnancy or looking at starting a family I would uh, say that the birth is a lot bigger than you know just a few hours (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and did you have any like thoughts from doing that on where you wanted to give birth or what you wanted your birth to look like did you try and have a bit of a plan talk us through yeah your thoughts around birth yeah definitely so I have always dreamed of always wanted an all natural birth which I know that those words may be quite um they mean different things to different people and I'm very much aware of that but in my mind that for me meant a vaginal birth and I did not want to get an epidural so those two ideas were quite strong in my mind and I will say For a lot of us now looking at Instagram, I do think there is quite a push towards that. And I think it can put a lot of pressure on people. Mm, For Um, sure. You know, I think now that's become such a thing that we read about. For for me, definitely. And kind of me being very interested in like the health and natural space. I saw a lot of that terminology of an all natural birth being considered a vaginal birth with no epidural. So that was kind of my wants for my birth. And then I kind of also saw the messaging online things along the lines of oh if your birth starts with intervention it can end with intervention and I think there's a lot of um, pressure and a lot of kind of negativity around messaging like that yeah for sure yeah there's a lot of stuff online about uh, inductions and and interventions and yeah there's lots of information out there (laughs) yeah definitely so even from that messaging it made me consider a home birth but I think just for me I knew that to me my home is like such a sacred place that I, I don't know I just can't imagine doing something I've never done before here for some reason so I wanted to um, give birth in a hospital but in Hawke's Bay we actually have a birthing centre and then the maternity ward in the hospital so the birthing centre is um, they don't actually have they don't give you c-sections or epidurals in that birthing centre and then the maternity ward in the hospital is a bit different yeah. So my yeah. hopes were to yeah give birth in the birthing centre um, alongside the midwives and my birthing partner who was my husband. Yeah. Cool. So that was kind of the awesome. plan. I did do a tour of the um, birthing unit and the hospital, which I would recommend as well, just to make sure you feel comfortable in the space. I thought that that was super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. 
Cool. And were you doing anything in preparation for birth, like antenatal expressing, raspberry leaf tea, eating dates, like any of the things that people say help <laughs> with birth? Yeah, definitely. So um, I was kind. I was adamant again, as you probably learned from my first story about being adamant I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I was also adamant that I was going to be early. So I my due date was ten ten. So. Our baby was due on the 10th of the 10th and I just had it in my mind that she was coming before the 10th. So anyway, from quite early on, so yeah, from the second trimester, I actually started an online exercise program from an online trainer called M Snell, I believe her name is. We can obviously put her in the show notes. But mm-hmm. yeah, her name's M Snell and she specializes in pregnancy and postpartum fitness. So I bought her program, which was a weights-based program at the gym, but there was a lot of um, public floor work, a lot of hip opening work um, and things like that. So I started doing that which I found super, super helpful. And then I also joined our Pilates, which is an online Pilates that specializes in pregnancy and postpartum too. So yeah, a lot of pelvic floor work in there. Um, So I'd say, yeah, my main preparation was doing that stuff. I did the curb walking. I did the walking up hills um I had a Swiss ball I was so uncomfortable by the end of my third trimester that like all I did was sit on the Swiss ball um what else yeah did the raspberry leaf tea I didn't do the antenatal uh expressing is that what it's called Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I should actually just put that in there. Yeah. I didn't do that. And even though I knew I wanted to breastfeed for some reason, doing that prior to me, it didn't feel quite right. So I didn't choose to do that. And then the other thing I didn't do that actually made me really nervous that I wasn't doing it was the perineum massage. Mm-hmm. So I didn't put too much into that either, but like a lot of first time mums or maybe I'm sure second time mums, third time mums as well, like a lot of mums, I think there's a lot of fear around tearing. So the fact that I wasn't doing that perineum massage did actually make me nervous. Um, but again, I just didn't feel super comfortable doing it. So I just didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Awesome. And take us through the end of your pregnancy. How were you feeling? Um, and then, yeah, take us through your labor and birth story from there. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, perfect. So, yeah, towards the end of the third trimester, I was definitely over it. Um, I was just so uncomfortable. I was getting very impatient. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah it's a really hard time and I think we can put a lot of pressure on our due dates as well and as I'm sure a lot of stats say and I think I've even read it in the Your Birth Project um, you know a lot of people do go over their due date and you know I think that's not really spoken about enough so I did find it really hard leading up to my due date. And then when I went over my due date, I also found that really difficult mentally. Um, I wasn't sleeping. So every night I would just come into the lounge and just bounce on my Swiss ball. And I would just try um, manifest myself to go into labor. Like I was just doing anything I could to go into labor, but I knew that that wasn't good either because I knew I needed all the sleep and that I could get. Mm, mm. I wasn't getting that sleep. I just every night thought it was the night. Um, Yeah, it was just almost just like waiting for it to happen. Um, Yeah. But yeah, Matt also finished work. I think he must have finished a week before we were due. So he was also at home. So it it was all really weird. Like we were both just waiting really. Um, So yeah, I definitely say 
to keep doing as much as you can and keep busy I guess because it is really Mm -hmm. hard just waiting yeah yeah um but yeah so we went I went over our due date and then during that time I was literally just spending all my time yeah curb walking drinking raspberry leaf tea sitting on the Swiss ball I was doing lots of the hour pilates at home I was walking up hills you know I was doing everything that everyone told tells you to do and then On the Friday night, I got a Thai massage and then at 3.20 a.m. that night, I got up and I felt a small gush, but I didn't know if it was my waters breaking. So I kind of got a little bit excited. I got up, I started using the Swiss ball like for an hour and then I was like, okay, nothing's happening. I know I need a rest. So I went back to bed. And then on the Saturday, I just kept feeling kind of gushes. And I knew that if it was my waters, I would go into labor eventually was my understanding. So I kind of went to bed on the Saturday and nothing was happening. And I just was thinking, okay, it's obviously my waters haven't broken. Uh, Who knows what it is. And then on the Sunday, I kind of rung my midwives and said, hey, you know, I'm a little bit paranoid that my waters may have broken. And they told us to go to the hospital for a check. So we met our midwife at the hospital for a check and they did like a swab in my pee and it kind of like looked like a pregnancy test. And then it... um, it came up with two lines, which meant that my waters had broken. So when I found out they'd broken, I was a little bit nervous. I was like, okay, what does this mean? You know, we well over the 24 hours now, there's no signs of me going into labor. So then they told me that the risk of infection would get up if, you know, we didn't look to induce And I had learned about induction in the Your Birth Project course, but it still did freak me out. Like it wasn't the Mm. start to my labor that I was expecting or that I had in mind. Um, You know, I did kind of say to the midwife, like, oh, can I just wait a bit longer? But what we ended up doing was they said, hey, look, you can go home, get your bags and then come back and we'll start um, the induction this afternoon. So Matt and I were happy with that. At first, like I said, we were really freaked out, and then we kind of just had to change our mindset, and we were like, okay, it's happening. We get to meet our baby soon. Um, This is the way, you know, it's going to happen for us, and we're going to still make the best of it. Like, we're not going to change the plan. Yeah. So we yeah went home, got our bags, um, went to the hospital. All was quite relaxed at this point because you know I wasn't having strong signs of labour or anything like that. Um, and then that afternoon, I was induced with misoprostol. I think it's just quite yeah. helpful to kind of tell people how we were induced, I guess. So, yeah, at 3.30 that afternoon on the Saturday, I was given my first dose of misoprostol. I think I was kind of thinking it would just, like, all of a sudden happen really quickly because I've written in my notes here that, like, I went for a walk and, like, still felt nothing. (laughs) And then I had a second dose. I had a third dose. And then what happened with the induction is they are monitoring the baby's heart rate and if they see any inconsistency in the baby's heart rate they're very hesitant to keep giving you doses yeah and around um must have been around you know eight o'clock that night our baby like her heart rate was kind of up and down up and down up and down so they said they couldn't get a baseline of where her heart rate would be at so they were hesitant to give another dose so we held off on the dose again until her heart rate was consistent again 
And then I was given a third dose at 9.40 that night. And then the rest of the night, so this is Saturday night, I thought that I had super strong contractions. Bleeding started a lot, so I was bleeding. Um, All I really did was walk up and down the corridors of the hospital, and I used my Swiss ball because I'd learned how important it was to keep moving during labor. Mm -hmm. And Matt, during this time, was just trying to relax, I think, knowing that it, it could be a while. And then at on um, at four a.m. the next day, I called the midwife because the pain was so intense. Like I was convinced the baby was about to come. Um, and then she did a check, and I was only one centimeter dilated. And she could tell, like I just hadn't slept in nights. And she just said to me, "Look." if you are going to get through this, you need to rest. So she recommended that I... Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I had some morphine, um, which I knew in that moment I was so defeated that I didn't have much choice. So I had some morphine. And then I managed to lie on the bed for four hours. But I just want to add that the morphine didn't stop being able to feel the contractions. It just made it a lot more manageable and I was able to rest through them. It's not like I was in a deep sleep, not feeling what was going on. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, but it still gave, gave me some rest. And then the next morning, which was the Monday, I woke up and I was like, right, like, you know, I need to change my headspace. I've been, you know, I've gotten a bit down again. I found it hard, but, you know, our baby's got to come to us soon. So I really woke up and was like, today's the day I changed my headspace um, and got really strong back into the mindset of, you know, what I wanted and let's set up the space and let's do this. So, um, the other really nice thing was there was a new midwife on in the hospital that day and she was like amazing. She gave me such like a mum nurturing energy um, and when she started her shift, I guess I was like, okay, it's all working out now. Like this is great. <laughs> and then yeah. we were lucky enough to move to a birthing room because prior to this, we were just in, I guess, a waiting, not sorry, we were in a proper room, but it wasn't a birthing suite. Yeah. Well, that morning, they let us move into a birthing suite as well. Um, so all day, the contractions kind of were increasing. I thought that they were quite strong, but I was feeling like super, super positive. Um, would set the space, we were feeling good. And then at 1.30 that day, the hospital midwife did a check and she said to me, hey, I've just got this feeling that not all of your waters have broken. And I was like, okay, what do you mean? And she kind of explained to me that there's, don't quote me on these medical terms, but my understanding was there was kind of an outer layer of my waters and then there was like an inner layer, I guess. And she said, I have this feeling that only the outer layer has broken, not the inner layer. <laughs> so I, what she said, do you want me to try, see if I can see that and then break them for you? And I had such trust in this midwife. She made me feel so safe that I said yes. So she managed to stretch me from a 2.5 to 3 centimetres 
and then she discovered that she was right and not all of the waters had broken and she managed to break the rest of these. So at 1.30, so bear in mind this has happened at 1.15 and then literally at 1.30, it ramped up so fast. The connections mm-hmm. all of a sudden were so strong and all of a sudden like I just went into this completely different headspace. Like she saw it straight away. I, you know, she said to Matt straight away, this is different now. This is happening. You can yeah. see she's gone into a different place. Um, yeah. Because prior to this, Matt uh, kind of just kept trying to talk to me and just kind of keep trying to keep things as lighthearted as we could. And I think he knew in this moment at 1.30, okay, something's changed. This is not the time to keep things lighthearted anymore. Like this is kind of go time, I guess. Um, And I just want to point out in this time that I on paper was only three centimeters, which I think can be disheartening to a lot of people. But when you hear the rest of my story, I just want people to, you know, remember that, being only three centimeters doesn't need to mean as much as we can put on it. Mm. So mm. then, yeah, things are really ramping up. And then around 3 p.m., I hopped into the shower. I was crying like I was just hysterical. Um, I wanted the midwife and the I wanted my midwife and the hospital midwives were telling me, you know, we, we think you should just hold it out a bit longer, hold it out a bit longer. Um, and then I was given and there was a new midwife who her shift started at the hospital and then she came in. So she started her shift when I was literally at like the most vulnerable place I could have been. I was in the shower, yeah. you know, I was naked. I was crying. I was feeling so vulnerable. She got me a diffuser going with lavender. She got Matt to run the bath. Um, she just like set the scene completely. She was amazing. Um, and then the midwife, the hospital midwife asked me if I could feel any pressure in my bum. And I kind of thought that that was a weird question, but I said, no, (laughs) I can't. So then they were like, okay. And then I felt disheartened that I couldn't feel the pressure in my bum because I was like, oh no, it means I'm, I've still got a while to go. At this point, I still haven't had any um, pain relief other than the morphine I'd had, you know, a long time ago now, that one dose that I had. And then I moved to the bath around 3.30 as the intensity was growing. And as soon as I hopped in the bath, I was like, oh my goodness, I can feel the pressure in my bum. Like this is, this is next level. Mm. And it's such an overwhelming feeling. Like you've never felt anything like that before. Um, And they say, is it a blue line on your bum that you can see? Like a purple colored line. Yeah. Yeah. Purple colored. So we'd learned about that in antenatal and I just thought like, oh, I didn't think much of it. And then they were like, okay, yeah, we can see the purple line. And I was like, oh my God. Um, so then baby's heart rate started being monitored in the bath. We put a mirror down on the floor of the bath so that the midwife could see, I guess, what was going on. And they said to me in this moment, okay, we can see her head. She's got black hair. So Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my goodness, she's so close. We can see the head. Like I start, and I think you get another kick of energy then, right? Because you're Mm. okay. Like, you know she's real we can see the head like this is this is happening so I think you get another burst of energy um around four o'clock our midwife arrived and I begged the hospital midwife not to leave either because she was so amazing so at this point I had my midwife Matt and the hospital midwife Matt was um running to the sink, filling up cups of water for me and just trickling it down my back. And that was so amazing. And I just did not let him leave my face. Like every single time he ran to the sink to fill up the cup with water, I just like freaked out. Like I wanted him to be with me 24 seven, but I needed that water being poured down my back. It just really helped with the pain. Mm. So he was obviously so amazing. And, um, yeah then the midwives were telling me to push and 
I was in the bath at this point until at least 5.30. I thought I was pushing, but it just wasn't progressing. Like we could still see the head, but just nothing was happening. So around 5.30, I got encouraged to try something new. So we moved to the bed. And then by this point, I definitely, I've heard a lot um and things I've listened to prior to giving birth, that it says you will get to a moment of thinking, I cannot do this. And that's mm. the moment that you were so close. And when I got to that bed, I just was like, I've been pushing now for so long. I'm not, I just, I'm not capable of pushing was how I felt. Um, but obviously Matt just kept encouraging me. The midwives kept encouraging me. I was so exhausted by this point. Mm. Um, but, you know, I was too late. It never, I will actually add during this, it never ever crossed my mind to have an epidural, I will say. It just kind of felt like that just was never the right option. I guess there was always other forms of pain relief available and because I slowly built on all of them I always felt like I had a next step yeah so prior to I guess getting to the point of pushing the next step I guess would have been gas but I never got to that point but I just would love people to know how many options there are before an epidural mm. um but at this point you know we're way too late for this this baby's coming yeah um so yeah I was growing very disheartened thinking I couldn't do it I felt like my pelvic floor was almost too tight that I just couldn't let it go mm. um but yeah we were just obviously trying 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 I kept pushing they kept kind of feeling saying you know the head was coming out more and then should kind of go back in and then at 6 30 they had asked the doctor to come in and honestly I just felt the doctor's presence into that room like you were in such a spiritual space I guess like you were so focused that any change in your environment you really feel it it wasn't like mm -hmm. they told me the doctor was coming it wasn't like I heard the doctor was coming but the second she entered the room I just felt her presence and honestly just pushed her baby out um <laughs> the doctor didn't need to intervene at all her presence of coming into the room was enough to make me push our baby out <laughs> um so yeah then our little girl was out at yes yeah, 6 36 and yeah, that's, I guess, a very um, detailed description of what happened to that point. Hmm. Yeah, amazing. And did they pop her straight up onto your chest? Yeah, so she arrived. She literally let out two tiny cries and then just was so calm. And I will <laughs> add that throughout my whole labour, obviously the baby's heart rate was being monitored really, really closely. And any time that her heart rate went up, Matt would literally just look me in the eyes and just encourage me to breathe. And I would just breathe and think about our baby um, being calm. And I would honestly just think about my breath being passed down to her. So I just yeah. kept breathing, kept breathing and knowing that I was giving her that breath. And I knew that if she felt me not be calm, she would not feel calm. So that was how I looked at it I guess as I needed to give her that breath because I needed to keep her calm so I will say yeah. I was really um that helped so much of just envisioning giving my breath to her and it meant that her heart rate didn't raise throughout this process which meant I could have the vaginal birth that I wanted I guess yeah. um so that's super important there. But obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why a baby's heart rate could elevate. But for me personally, it really, really helps just passing my breath down to the baby, I guess. And yeah. then I, this sounds really naive, but I was in such shock when she came out, honestly. Like, it's just you can't even 
describe it. I was in such shock that I just said, give it a mat, give it a mat, give it a mat. And like, I just mm-hmm. had to sit down. Like he took his top off. I was like, just give it a mat. And I didn't realize that she was still attached to me <laughs> with the umbilical cord, obviously. <laughs> So yeah. then they had to calm me down and say, you know, she's a, she, we've got to wait for the umbilical cord to stop beating because I wanted to do the um, delayed cord campaign. Is that it? Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, once that had stopped beating, we cut that and then she did skin on skin with Matt, which I was really happy with because at this point I was so overwhelmed. I wanted our baby to just feel calmness and I knew that, like, Matt, is obviously just so calm and that was what I wanted our daughter to feel so then mm. she was given to Matt did the skin on skin with Matt and then I had to birth the placenta which after mm-hmm. the amount of hours I was pushing for when they told me I had to push again I wanted to cry but <laughs> I will say don't even worry about birthing the placenta once you've birthed a baby the placenta is nothing they yeah so that came out and then I did the skin on skin yeah and then just the last kind of note I've got here is that that I guess is really cool for me to say is that then the doctors checked me and I didn't need stitches which um you know just to touch on I guess the birth prep I did and the fact that I didn't do that perineum massage and then I did have no tears I just would love you know future mums and mums to know that just because perineum massage is great for preventing tears, it doesn't mean automatically if you don't do that, that you will tear. Like I think mm. we must stop looking at things in such black and white. Like, you yeah. know, while if the, if you feel comfortable doing that and you want to do it, do it because everything you can do ultimately is going to help. But I don't want you to be scared if you haven't felt comfortable to do something that it's going to be a bad thing and it's going to affect the outcome because, yeah. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to have no tearing and, you know, I, I credit that to a lot of things, but I just want to say that I didn't do that. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Very cool. And so talk us through the next like couple of hours after you've given birth, what happened next? Did you try and latch her on? Were you moved rooms? Yeah. Talk us through the next sort of 12 hours or so. Yeah. So, um, latched her on, which, Honestly, I was like amazed that they just come out of the womb and like they kind of know uh, to latch. So I was really Mm -hmm. lucky that she did latch. Um, And I had heaps of colostrum, even though I hadn't expressed it prior again. So I will say, again, there was heaps of colostrum. So that wasn't an issue that I hadn't expressed it prior. Um, She managed to latch on and get that straight away which was really nice and then yeah we kind of we were move rooms pretty quickly I was feeling pretty empowered like I was on such a big high um I kind of felt like I was just floating around the hospital to be honest (laughs) um you know I think that I just want to kind of going back to the start when I kind of spoke about that, you know, I felt like the birth was such a small fraction of this whole experience. I will say for me, the birth, the pregnancy was one thing, but then the birth of our baby was kind of like the next stage. And even though it was, you know, a long labor or whatever you want to call it, because I found it a really positive experience, whatever that looks like to you. I think if you can, you know, associate your birth with being positive, I think it's a really nice way to transition into motherhood. And Mm. that's why I encourage people to do your birth project and get the knowledge and figure out, you know, what a positive birth will look like to you prior so that, if you do manage to get that, it's a really nice way to enter into motherhood. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think having a positive birth doesn't always mean that everything went to plan. Like I definitely didn't plan for an induction, but mm-hmm. because in my eyes it was positive, it kind of gave me this confidence in our baby and in being a mother. Like I felt like I could do this and that was because I was so um happy from I guess how our birth went 
yeah 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 amazing um top tip yes just super quickly on the hospital and I learned this from your birth project and podcasts I've listened to from you but I just want to say it helped so much is get electrolytes and ural sachets and just put them Mm -hmm. in a massive Stanley drink bottle and just drink them non-stop (laughs) yeah yeah that is such a good tip I feel like it's um something that you can easily overlook but actually makes a big difference yeah like it's literally just chuck it in your bag it's something you can do and also highly recommend the stanley throughout birth because it's got the straw and your birthing partner Mm -hmm. can just constantly put the straw in your mouth and you just drink even though you don't really feel like drinking you definitely need it (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely that's actually really interesting my midwife i still remember her saying to me in my second birth she was like you need to drink more water because one of the top reasons that labors like stall is because people get so dehydrated. Yeah. And I remember after that, just like drinking and drinking and <laughs> drinking so much water after that. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I think it's so good. Little things like that to let your birth partner in on so that they know to be aware of it because you're not thinking about drinking water. Like, let's be honest. So yeah. it's really nice if they can know, like Matt knew going into our labor that it was real movement was really important to me moving around was really important to me like trying different positions was really important to me water forcing me to eat so you know he really kept on top of those things for me and kind of knew if anything was stalling or if he could see I was maybe getting frustrated in a position he would be like okay cool why don't we try this or why don't we go for a little walk or do you want to stand up with me for a bit or he'd just keep you know putting the Stanley bottle underneath my mouth and if it's offered to you you take it right but you're not thinking about it Mm -hmm. yeah 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 absolutely awesome and how long did you stay in the hospital for um talk us through yeah the next few days like going home with your baby how did you find that transition yeah perfect one thing I actually have just remembered as well is I also got my placenta made into capsules oh cool yeah so just if anyone's thinking about doing that I you have only just stopped taking them the lady that does them in Hawke's Bay you get a three-month supply and um yeah I found them really helpful as well so they come and collect your placenta from the hospital and then they make it into capsules for you so if anyone's interested in that I would recommend that yeah um but yeah so our little girl I actually haven't said her name but her name's Alaska she was born at yeah 6 30 on the Monday night and then, like I say, that first night in hospital, I was just on such a high. There was no way I was sleeping. I just thought, like, yeah. that what I'd done was amazing. And um, we, you know, we moved rooms from the birthing room. And, yeah, we just spent that Monday night in the hospital. And then on the Tuesday, we chose not to have anyone come to the hospital. We just wanted it to be Matt and I. Um we just felt like there was a lot going on and we just wanted to take it all in. But on the Tuesday afternoon, the hospital were amazing. They never ever, uh, they told us we could stay another night. But on the Tuesday afternoon, I just wanted to get home, to be honest. So we came home on the Tuesday afternoon, which uh, you don't realize how big it is bringing your baby home until you get home and mm-hmm. realize, okay, I can't push the buzzer for help anymore. This is me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we got home and I, for my recovery and I think for my mental recovery, it was really nice to just get back home and have that um, familiarity again and yeah just get to know our baby and it's a busy few days those first few days it's really busy you're taking it all in um again I was just running on such a high like I barely slept but I just you I just didn't mind because again because I think I felt so confident and empowered in my birth yeah 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 amazing and take us through your breastfeeding journey how did you find that that played out Yeah, so I actually had a boob reduction prior to getting pregnant um, a few years ago, and I kind of got told when I had the reduction 
you know, there was a very slight chance it might impact breastfeeding one day. And I kind of knew that risk, but when I got the reduction done, I wasn't really in the headspace of having kids and I was willing to take that risk. Um, so I kind of had that in the back of my mind, but I knew that I wanted to give breastfeeding a good go. And we did, she was latching really well, but a few days in, I was like, okay, this is actually really painful. Um, mm. And that was making me resist it. So I decided to reach out to a lactation consultant that um, I had been recommended by family friends prior. I actually had her card just sitting in my handbag just in case I needed it one day. So we reached out to her and she came to the house and she just helped me figure out the latch a bit better and just get more confident with the latch. And while I will say, you know, that was obviously an investment, I was resisting breastfeeding prior to her because I thought it was painful and I thought that that was how it was meant to feel. And then mm-hmm. when the lactation specialist came and told me, you know, this doesn't have to be painful. And then she showed me different, you know, how to lecture and things like that. It it helped so much. So if you're feeling any pain, I'd just love to say that like you don't have to be feeling that. So I would definitely reach out for support. And that might not be from a lactation specialist. That might be from your midwife or from Plunker down the track. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we are... Uh, Alaska is 13 weeks now and she is still mainly uh, exclusively breastfed baby she has had the odd formula bottle when she has been being babysat um, by her grandparents or if she's just been at home with Matt but yeah when I say that probably three or four bottles a week I did try expressing for those bottles and I hated expressing um so I had to deal with that mental battle of being like okay cool when she has a bottle it's going to be formula and that was such a good decision for us and I think her being able to have a bottle has actually made our breastfeeding journey better and potentially longer because I haven't felt like I'm the only one that can do it yeah 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 awesome Cool. And is there anything that you've used over the past 13 weeks that you're like, everybody has to know about this? (laughs) Could be to do with your birth recovery, could be to do with like, yeah, newborn essentials. What have you found the most useful? Yeah, definitely. So I touched on the placenta capsules before, definitely them. Um, And yeah, I definitely say, I think everyone kind of says it, but it kind of was something that I rolled at prior, but like you need so much food to recover and you want it to be good food and you've got so much going on, like you're not cooking and things. So um, I would just say like eh, having healthy meals on hand or, you know, having the understanding with your partner or your family, um, getting people to cook and things like that definitely couldn't recommend more like you need that food and you need it to be nutritious like having packet snacks Mm -hmm. just isn't going to cut it like your body has been through a lot and then like if you're breastfeeding on top of that but even if you're not you know there's a lot going on so I really just highlighted you know eating enough making sure it was good food the placenta capsules kept on top of all my um, pregnancy supplements and then Quite early on, I actually started the, I mentioned it at the beginning, but I started the Our Pilates um, postpartum online program. And I just found that super helpful just to connect to my pelvic floor again. Like after you give birth for me personally, I just found it so heavy. Um, Mm. You know, walking was really a lot. Um, So I found that our Pilates postnatal program online super helpful the videos are like 20 minutes long you obviously just pull it up in your lounge do it in your pajamas it's super gentle and if you feel like they're progressing too quickly you just keep repeating a video until you're ready to progress and I will just say that getting onto that pelvic floor stuff early on I made my recovery so much easier rather than waiting say six weeks 
to be checked by the pelvic floor physio and then you know kind of forgetting how it even is meant to feel yeah yeah so yeah yeah, just getting on top of that quickly and knowing that while that pelvic floor physio appointment that you may choose to do it around six weeks is super important I think it doesn't mean you can't do nothing I think you know Mm. there's some super simple exercises you can do just to feel a bit more human again and to relieve that pressure that you feel um yeah I think that helped my recovery heaps and you know with a baby you're walking around a lot you're bobbing them up and down a lot you know you're (laughs) bending down a lot there's a lot going on that I think you want to feel strong and the sooner you can feel strong and doing that again um it's really helped me mentally and physically recover from birth so just you know obviously make sure you're doing the right things and that's why I obviously recommend like um having support kind of through a program like that I found really beneficial and just starting really slow but yeah starting early because they they also do sleep a lot in the very start yeah awesome cool and is there anything else that you feel like we haven't covered that you want to make sure is in your story yeah I think I just want to say how important which you go over so well in your birth project, but the people you have in your room at your birth really, I believe, are key to that birth experience. Mm. So I just really want to emphasize that if anyone's giving you pressure maybe to be a part of your birth, like I know everyone wants to be part of it because it is super exciting and, you know, but you've got to really feel comfortable with who's in that room with you. And, I would have not got through that birth without Matt and without Mm. the midwives. Um, So yeah, just make sure you feel super comfortable with who's in the room with you because you need them and they are amazing. So yeah, yeah, just want to add that and just, yeah, add that there's so many options of pain relief and you don't know what is going to help you until you're in it but I would just be aware of everything that's on offer so you've got places to pull from and you never feel like you're stuck and you're like I don't know how to relieve this pain Mm, so yeah Yeah. just kind of familiarize yourself with some options prior um like the tens machine like water you know all of those things that you go over in your birth project just so that if something doesn't work for you at the time you don't feel like oh well that was kind of all I had and now I've got nothing Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm. so yeah Yeah. just that you want to have a list and just write it down on the notes app on your phone like I wrote so many more notes from the your birth project just so you can refer to them and have them in your brain so you don't feel like oh, I don't know what to turn to now. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, just I guess the last thing is that if any part of your birth maybe doesn't go to plan is fall back on what else you wanted to go really well. So like for me, the induction maybe wasn't how I wanted it to start, but I was like, okay, cool. That's happened, but I can still focus on the other things that I wanted to happen. And maybe for you, you know, something along the line doesn't happen how you planned it to just kind of think of the next thing and be like, okay, can I make the next thing go to plan? Like, just don't throw it all out the window, I guess. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Asha, for coming on the podcast and for sharing your story with us. I've really loved talking to you and it's so nice to hear. Yeah. You're, super positive mindset around birth and how your birth ended up playing out so I'm very grateful that you're willing to come on and share with us thank you thank you so much I think what you offer all Kiwi women is so amazing and yeah thank you thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales I hope you have enjoyed it and if you're still here make sure you go and check out your birth project if you're pregnant or you know someone who is your birth project is the online hypnobirthing course you need in your life I will be back with you next week. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.